Hey everyone, this is Brandon Lyles. My wife Heidi and I pastor Living Word Northwest in Rogers, Minnesota. We hope what you're about to hear encourages you no matter what you're facing this week. We believe you'll experience Jesus wherever you're listening from right now. Enjoy the message. I love the presence in the room right now, especially when there's, you know, um, it's, it's, uh, there's ongoing challenging seasons that we seem to keep walking through. And, uh, and then, you know, there's just so many questions and, and there's so much need for change. And <sighs> I had somebody tell me this once, sometimes it's nice just to be able to kind of step away and gain some clarity in a place like this. Amen. Not run and hide, just step away and gain some clarity. The Lord told Heidi and I to pray right now, told us to pray church and I know that there are, with everything going on in, in not just our city as some sort of cliche location, but literally our, our, our city, with everything that's going on inside of people's hearts as well and the, the loss of life and the need for justice and, and questions. And, and uh, I, I just, I asked the Lord, what do we do? And he gave me the answer that none of the bloggers like, that none of the social media posts like. He gave me the answer that none of the people <laughs> that I follow liked, which is to pray. Heck, the vice president didn't like that answer either. I, I am sorry, but the Lord told us to pray. Amen. Told us, okay? Us too. And I believe that since God has ordered your steps to be a part of what God's put in our heart, that as a church, God has called us right now to pray. Last year, he told us to do something else and we did it. This year he told us to pray, and so we're doing it. And man, you think you, you think it was like you think it was like a, a really bad thing to pray. <sighs> but I've got to follow God. I'm responsible to follow God. Amen. And I don't know as we pray, as we pray, and let me tell you, we pray ugly prayers at our house. Ugly prayers, right? They are not holy. They are not, they are not poetic. They are not, they're not, they're just not. They're like David prayers, right? Um, and, and what's kind of interesting about it is we don't know what for. And people sometimes get on our case because they think that we're just blindly following Someone, Yes, and his name is Jesus. And sometimes I, I ask a lot of questions and sometimes I don't. And so he told us to pray and so that's what we're doing. We're praying. And I don't know what is happening in the supernatural as we pray. I know there's a lot of things in the natural I'd like to do. There's a lot of things I could be doing, right? But I don't know if what I'm praying is superseding those things that I could do in the natural so we're praying and the Lord put this on our heart for today and I believe it's a word from God and I believe uh, you know there's a lot uh,
there's a lot going on right now. And that's, you know, an, an understatement. There's a lot going on in our city. There's a lot going on in our lives. There's a lot going on in your lives, in the lives of people that we really love and that we care about. And if you're visiting, and I'm so sorry, I am normally a crier. So this isn't <laughs> unusual for most people. Just don't ask me what I'm crying about, and we'll be okay, and we'll get through service, okay? Ah. Thank you. Thank you. So this year, this last year, there's a lot going on. And so I've asked myself this question, where is Jesus right now? Where is Jesus? And I hope I'm not the only one that's asked that question, but in full transparency, uh, I may not win pastor of the year award for asking that question, but where is Jesus in all this? But it's not. This is why I think it's a good question to ask. If you've ever felt guilt or condemnation for asking that question, this is why I think that's a good question because I'm not asking what am I going to say and what am I going to do or what should I be doing right now in this situation. I'm saying, Jesus, where are you? Because where you are and what you're doing and what you're saying, that's what I need to grab onto right now. Amen? And I know that may not be culturally popular right now, but, but that's where we are. This will always be a church, and we will always be a couple that says, I don't know, so I'm just going to cling to Jesus and trust that he's going to show me and and teach me, and he's going to bring people into my life that are going to educate me and help me and teach me and and, and support, amen, and embrace and work together and talk together so that we can grow together and learn together and heal together, amen? Because right now there are mamas and there, there are brothers and sisters and there, there are people that have, have lost loved ones that, that we can't even understand. This isn't about like how sad I am or what I'm going through. That is so trivial and so minute compared to, I, I think about somebody losing, I think about losing my son. How hard that would be. Forget all of the politics, church, and forget all of it and just... I have so much compassion for the life, the lives and the life that was recently lost, the lives that are lost. I mean, come on. So Jesus, where are you in this? And the reason I like to ask that question too is because then I believe he will respond and he will show us. It's not just this question that I release out into la-la land, right, and cross my fingers and hope he responds with something. No, he's shown us where he is in his word. And so when all the you-know-what hits the fan, we can go to his word. And we because we love his word, we don't just read it because it's an ordinance. We don't just read it because it's the right thing to do. We read it because I, I love it. I can see his heart, and I can share my heart with him through his word. Amen? Matthew 27, chapter 38, kind of lays out where Jesus is typically found. I've got a lot of cool examples here of where he's found. Matthew 27, 38, two criminals were also crucified with Jesus, one on each side of him. 700 years before Pilate gave that order to crucify Jesus, God had declared through Isaiah where Jesus was to be found, numbered with the transgressors that's not someone else church that's you and i 
Let's read it. Isaiah 53, 12. He was counted among the worst of sinners, yet he carried sin's burden for many and intercedes for those who are rebels. So where is Jesus found? We find this, we find holy between unholy. (laughs) We find the law of love between lawlessness. We find Jesus in the middle. This is Jesus. Ultimately, we see Jesus between heaven and between hell right here on earth in the middle of it. Jesus in the middle. Oh, Jesus. Mark chapter 4, verse 37, another example. Suddenly, we talked about this last week. Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious storm arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was nearly swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. Jesus, between the wind Between the waves, Jesus, between his destiny, the shore, the call, the purpose, and the doubters, his his friends, his disciples that were doubting, we see Jesus placing himself right in the middle of the storm. Not above it, not beneath it, right in the middle of it. He's a human God. I think that God likes to be in the middle. I think he likes to do miracles that are in the middle of our messes. And I thank God for that, right? I see him bring healing into the center of of people's sickness. I've seen him bring peace, um, even in the midst or in the presence of pain. And we can see it all throughout his word, even one of the most familiar stories in Exodus chapter 14, verse 19. We'll put it on the screen. You can follow along. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp, between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. God in the middle. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and it made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left hand. God in the middle. Luke chapter 4 verse 30. But Jesus walked right through the crowd leaving them all stunned. This is where Jesus desires to be. He knows how to be in the midst of a crowd, an angry crowd, a hurt crowd. Jesus is not afraid of that. In fact, he doesn't watch from his couch. He goes into the middle of it, in the middle of it. Why? Because every single person in every single crowd that Jesus found himself in, he loved deeply. I'm so thankful that he's coming to the middle of my chaos at times, in the middle of my issues, in the middle of what's been crowded around in my heart. Amen, church? Anybody else thankful for that? It doesn't change his love for him, for them. Jesus in the middle. And he's always available there. He's always accessible there, right? He's always ready to heal and to save and to comfort. I love it. I love Jesus. I was just thinking about this. Jesus, he's... We like to pick one side, don't we, church? I love how Jesus says this. Give Caesar what's Caesar's. Give God what's God's. 
And everybody's complaining. The religious people are complaining because he's in the middle and he's not on this side, right? And the government's complaining because Jesus is in the middle and not totally on this side. But yet somehow with one answer, with one word, Jesus answers every question, calms all that confusion. Jesus in the middle. And now in Mark chapter 5, this is where the real power is found, like where we see justice, where we see healing. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. After Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. So where's Jesus? In the middle. Just then a man saw it was Jesus. So he pushed through the crowd and threw himself down at Jesus' feet. His name was Jairus. And as the story goes, Jairus got what he needed. Jesus healed his daughter. Heidi's going to talk about that in a second. Verse 24, immediately Jesus went with him and the huge crowd followed, pressing in on him from all sides. Now in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl. And as the story goes, this precious woman got what she needed and Jesus healed her. And then comes verse 34 where it kind of sums things up. It's really the difference maker moment. It's what happens when Jesus isn't just there in the middle, right? In the middle of our storms, in the middle of the crowds, in the middle of the pain. But, but when, what happens when we actually reach out and touch Jesus? And ask Jesus for help and pray. In verse 34, Jesus said to her, Daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. I love this next part. Go with peace. As I've been praying for peace. Go with peace in your heart. And I love this. And be free. Be free from your suffering. Be free from the oppression." Be free from the injustice. Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. Babe, did you want to add something to that? Yeah, so we just want to take a closer look at Jairus and this woman with the issue of blood because the Holy Spirit was just speaking things to me about who Jesus was this week. And he was saying that it's for specific people. So thank you, Lord, that we can know Jesus' heart more because what happens is when we know his heart more, we know who we are, right? Yes. And then that affects how we see other people. There you go. So this story, um, I, I, it's, it shows how Jesus is not afraid of the crowds. And when you think of a crowd, crowds can be chaotic and messy and uncontrollable and uncomfortable, unpredictable. And for a lot of reasons, that's why we avoid the crowds, but not Jesus. Right. He goes right in the middle of them yeah. because he's not looking at the crowd. He's looking at the one. He is looking for the one. He doesn't see the crowd. He sees the one. And what Jesus sees is that there's miracles hidden Mm. inside the crowd where that one is. This is so important. This is so important because it's all about having followers right now, right? 
It's all about how many people are following you. Social media is a great example of that, right? And yet Jesus is so countercultural to that. He's, he's not concerned with the crowds. He's looking, he's looking for the one. What if we reflected that before we opened our mouths? Speaking to myself here, what if, what if we said, what would Je- this is why we're pausing to pray, church, is because of Jesus, what would you do before, this is what my, Heidi's like, my Holy Spirit, before I say that thing or type that thing, pause, and what would Jesus do? He'd be, he'd be looking for the one. Amen? Because he knows there's extreme value there, and he's not concerned with what's around. He's looking at the one. Heart. And that heart, and and he sees the miracles in the messiness, and and I think he challenges us to see the miracles in our own mess, and do we see the miracles in other people's messiness? Because here's the the, the thing that was hidden in this story is that Jesus healed Jairus's twelve year old daughter. Yes. But he also wanted to heal his perspective of yeah. other people in the crowd. Wow. Jairus was a synagogue ruler. So he was very successful, very important, very wealthy. He was close with all the Pharisees. He was close with the religious leaders. He was well-trained and well-educated in the Jewish law. And he got to the end of his rope and desperately fell at Jesus' feet and asked him to heal his 12-year-old daughter. Jesus didn't say, Jairus, I am offended by your religion. I am offended at how judgmental you are. So why don't you go change that and then come to me and maybe I'll help you. No, because Jesus loved Jairus. (laughs) And the second that he reached out to Jesus, he realized that Jesus was already reaching out to him. And together they walked towards Jairus' house to heal his daughter. On the way, in the middle of the crowd, in the middle of the journey, comes this woman who had been suffering from continual bleeding for 12 years. She tried every doctor, she spent every dollar, and it only got worse. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. There is hope for those of us who are in situations that seem to be going longer than we want. And there is a hope, a goodness that He has in store for us. If it isn't good yet, then He is not finished yet. Yes. To know that that waiting doesn't mean that nothing is happening with Him. It actually means everything is happening. I believe that. And know that our expectation of good may be different than His good. So to keep our eyes and our heart open for what His good is, to know that it's going to be good. Yes. And... According to Jewish law, which Jairus was very familiar with, he knew all about it. This woman's bleeding condition would have labeled her unclean. So that means that anybody who touches her, anybody she touches, would have to bathe immediately and they would be unclean for one day. Because she was continually 
unclean. She, if she was married, she would have had to be divorced. If she had children, she would no longer be able to see them. She wasn't allowed to live in her home anymore. She couldn't be with friends or family. She could not worship at the temple. So she was isolated and invisible from in, from society, uh, from all human physical touch for 12 years. Yeah, and it bugs me that that came through the church. Mm-hmm. It came through religion. Mm-hmm. All the all that kind of condemnation and expectations that were unmanageable for for anyone. You know, it came through the church at the time, and that's why I'm thankful for Jesus because I want to be a church that extends grace and understanding and says there's no more condemnation. I don't know, it just Yeah, and you makes know me what? <laughs> he was in the middle of a religious person yeah. and an outcast. Think about that. Oh. That's this whole this whole heart behind who he is. This yeah. is his heart. Now the enemy wants to isolate, right? Right. The enemy knows that there is power, there is healing in a supportive community. Right. The religious leaders said, you cannot worship in our temple. So in other words, you are not accepted in our church because of your messiness and your problems and your issues and your uncleanliness stay over there. So many people do not feel worthy or accepted to come to church, to come to Jesus because of how the crowd has labeled them. And I wonder, do we do that? Do, Do we attack or argue or even just politely avoid the people who have differing opinions and the people who believe differently, the ones that we disagree with, the ones who live differently than us and speak and look differently? I know I have. Do we separate ourselves so kindly from these people? That's what the Pharisees did. Pharisee means the separated ones. And I believe that they had good intentions to begin with. They wanted to be holy, right? Uh, But that can morph into pride and performance and go so far as to ultimately just disrespect another person's heart for the sake of religion and for the sake of being right. Wow. This woman pushes through the crowds. (laughs) She needs to look at Jesus. She needs to see him. She says, if I can just touch even his clothes, I know it's going to be okay. I just need to get by him. And she reaches close enough. She touches just the edge, the hem of his clothes, and instantly she's healed. (laughs) And Jesus stops in his tracks because he feels this powerful surge go through him and he looks around the crowd and he says, who just touched me? And his disciples are like, Jesus, everybody is touching you. And I love what Jesus does in Mark 5.32. But Jesus's eyes swept across the crowd looking for the one. Wow looking for the one who had touched him for healing. And he knew who touched him. He just wanted everybody else to stop and look. 
at this healed woman who he loved, who he valued, who was not invisible to him. Yeah. He wanted to not only heal her, he wanted to honor her yeah. in front of this massive crowd, in front of the people who had shunned her for the last 12 years, in front of Jairus. A woman fell at Jesus' feet, trembling in utter fear, <laughs> and she told him her story. If we can listen to people's stories, compassion comes. Yeah. Yeah. Understanding and forgiveness can come yeah. when we listen. Yeah. Jesus stopped to listen to her whole story. And if she was a woman like me, it would have been long and very detailed. <laughs> and you know Jairus was frustrated. Yeah. And he was probably confused being a religious leader, thinking, how could Jesus stop for not only this woman, <laughs> but an unclean woman? Yeah. Thinking, why is Jesus not rushing to my daughter who's about to die? This is such a waste of time. This woman does not deserve Jesus' attention like I do, a religious leader who has loved and followed and obeyed God and the law. But Jesus is showing Jairus that this heart is valuable yes. <laughs> and is worthy yeah. of his attention, acceptable and lovable. Jesus is trying to tell him that in the kingdom of God, status and position are not qualifications for worthiness or being more deserving than another person. Yes. And I picture Jesus bending down to this woman who's at his feet. And he looks her in the eyes and he listens to her voice because his heart breaks for hers. His heart breaks for the hurting, the lonely, the isolated, the left out, the lost. And because she wasn't just bleeding physically. She was bleeding mentally, emotionally broken. Yeah. And he reaches for her hand and he holds it. And that was the hand that hadn't been held for 12 years. And he calls her his daughter in front of everyone, in front of Jairus. And know that this is the only place in the Bible that Jesus calls somebody daughter. He was making a statement to her and to everybody around that now in this moment, she is no longer alone yeah. and, and she has an identity yeah. and she has dignity yeah. and she has a father, right? One who will plead for her and protect her and provide for her. Because know that when when this woman... When this woman went to Jesus and she reached out for him initially, she had that same desperation that Jairus had. But Jairus went to him publicly. She went to him secretly because she was embarrassed of her shameful condition. 
She reached for Jesus alone because she didn't have a father like Jairus' daughter did to plead for her and protect her and take care of her and defend her. Now she does. (laughs) And I wonder if Jesus waited to heal Jairus' daughter so that he could see this moment because there is a purpose for the process and and there is a reason for this waiting and the more that we know who Jesus is the more that we know who we are and this affects how we see other people even the ones who are hard to love and the ones who it's it's difficult to understand and the ones that we disagree with Jesus wanted to enlighten Jairus to see his perspective to see how other people um, to see how he sees other people with dignity and respect and love Jairus's name means God enlightens And so I just want to finish with this. People rushed to Jairus and they said, Stop bothering Jesus. Your daughter is dead. So now the tables have turned for Jairus because once somebody dies, that body is considered unclean. And if anybody touches that body, then they would be considered unclean for not just one day, but for seven days. So now Jairus is the one with the unclean daughter. And I picture all the wind getting sucked out of him. And he looks at Jesus. And Jesus ignores what the crowd is saying. And he looks back at Jairus and he puts his arm around him. And he says, do not be afraid. Trust me. Trust my way. Trust my timing. Trust my my purpose behind this. You are with me. And, and, and there will be times in our lives when we are on the journey where things happen and it seems like it is impossible to go on. But Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. Look at me. Trust me. Remember, you are with me and we're in this together. And then they continue to walk towards his house to heal his daughter. And when they get to the house, Jesus goes up to that room where his dead daughter is and he holds her hand and he says, little girl, wake up from the sleep of death. And she sits up and she stands up and she starts walking around the room and everyone is shocked. And I picture Jesus laughing as he says, she's probably hungry, so let's get her something to eat. I wonder if Jairus, after this moment, could more easily extend that same forgiveness and grace and love that Jesus extended to him in seeing other people. Because here's the thing is, Jesus is already reaching out to us before we already reach out to him. In all the messiness, he's right there. And he's right there. And the second we reach out for him, he takes he takes these places that are bleeding and broken. He takes the places that need a new perspective and he takes the places that are completely dead. 
and He fills us with this restoration and with this peace and with this healing and life. That's who He is, and He does it every single time. And so He does it because we are His sons and daughters, and uh, we are the ones that He loves, and He will be faithful to meet us there every time. Meet us there in the middle every single time. It's interesting, in the literal middle of the Bible, it's Psalm 117. It's the chapter in the very middle of the entire Bible. Listen to this. Let everyone everywhere shine with praise to Yahweh. Let it all out. Go ahead and praise Him, for He has conquered us with His great love. And His kindness has melted our hearts. His faithfulness lasts forever, and He will never fail you. So go ahead. Let it all out. Praise Yah. Now, Yah is, it's not an abbreviation for Yahweh. It's the name of God as he displays his power. And I'm telling you, we need God to display his power. Yes, in Brooklyn Center and yes, in Minnesota and yes, in our country. Dear Lord, in our world right now, we need God to display his power. But also right here in the middle of our hearts, right? To bring his peace and his power and his wisdom, his patience, his justice right into the middle of our hearts to bring calm and healing and compassion and understanding right into the middle. I don't ever want to think that I know everything that's needed for everyone else. All I know is that I need Jesus. I need his power at the center of my life so that, like Heidi said, as it transforms me, as it changes me, as I see his goodness, do things in my heart that maybe nobody else sees, that then, then maybe that transformation in me causes me to see somebody else the way that Jesus sees him, to reach out, to listen, to understand, to give, to be generous to somebody else. That, that maybe as I behold Jesus, I'm transformed and I, I reflect. Like It's like looking in a mirror. I reflect who he is to somebody else. I think that's our place and that's our role right now. As we pray, God, transform us. So that why? So that you can be so influential in this world around us, starting with us, starting with what we're teaching our kids and talking to our kids about and what we're spending our time doing and then into those around us father we just pray right now we pray right now for this city we pray right now jesus that we know you're in the center right now lord i know it i know not just because of the prophecies i've heard about minneapolis and saint paul not just because of the miraculous things that you did with Billy Graham, geez, here in our city, but because, Jesus, it's who you are. You're right there in the middle of every protest. You're right there in the middle of those lines of of officers protecting businesses and, and neighborhoods and homes. You're right there in the middle of the hearts of those that have lost someone even unjustly, you're there. You're there, God, in the middle, bringing peace and comfort and healing. And so we just invite you here right now, Lord, into the middle. 
I'm so thankful, Jesus, that you you don't run and hide. I'm thankful that you you run into the dangerous places and you you run into the insecurities and you run into all of the questions and all of the doubt and you run into all of the anger and all of the pain. You run into it, Father, and and you bring all that you are. And I guess that's what my prayer is, God, is that you would pour out of your heart onto this city, onto this church, onto my heart, onto our children. Pour out of your heart that flows with a peace and a love and a freedom and a and a goodness that, that we couldn't ever begin to comprehend. I ask that you surround the city, its citizens. I ask that you surround those that are in the line of duty. Surround them with a shield of favor and a hedge of protection and a peace that passes their understanding. And Jesus, the Prince of Peace, I picture this. Oh, we talked about it. Prayer, it came out on Monday. It's just so clear. I just see Jesus, the Prince of Peace, walking the streets of Brooklyn Center right now, walking the streets of Brooklyn Center tonight. Just Jesus, the Prince of Peace, there on the sidewalks, there in the center, in the middle of it all, Jesus. And Lord, I'm believing that, including myself, Instead of just watching you, Jesus, we reach out and we take hold of who you are and begin to let it transform us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is such a precious place right now such a moment when I'm not in a rush I just invite you to let Jesus as as we've preached about him as we've listened to his word as, as we felt his presence and worship just let Jesus come to you and come into the very center and the very core of all of your hurt or all of your pain or all of your questions or Whatever that is, just let him come into the very center right now. He is a healer and a deliverer. He is the answer. And he's, he's even better than that. He brings strength and, and even joy and wisdom. He brings comfort. He brings a supply, energy, and light and He renews and he resurrects and refreshes. When Jesus comes into the center, this is what he does. He heals. He brings life. Thank you, Jesus. 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 (laughs) I love what Heidi said when when we haven't seen the resolve, we know he's not 
done yet. Amen? He's, he's not a medium rare kind of God. He's a well-done kind of guy. It's like Heidi's cooking. It's always very well, very well done. Just extra, extra crispy. He just, he likes it very well done. But seriously though, he, he, he's working and he's bringing to completion. I'm telling you, and I thank you, Jesus, for that. Wrap this up. Bring healing. Bring, bring healing. Where, 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 where man has tried so hard and fallen so short, bring healing to to our to our culture. Bring healing to to our society. Bring healing and finish, God, what you started. Is that is it bad to pray big prayers like that? I truly believe. I truly believe that God can do that. He's moving. He's moving. Hallelujah. I, I think it's okay that every once in a while we have a service like this where, you know, I don't know, some people might say, wow, this is a little heavy. Well, yeah, put yourself in some other people's shoes right now. It's heavy. It's heavy. But I do believe that his burden, his burden is what? It's easy. It's light. It's, it's, he's coming alongside of us right now. And he's working and he's helping us. And so with everything going on, with Jesus in the middle, I believe that he is He's, in, he's implanting a supernatural joy on the inside of us. Why? Because we can begin to see things the way that he sees things. Amen? Amen. That is the hope for the hopeless. There's a lot of hopelessness right now. That is the hope that we find in Jesus, the anchor of our soul. That there is a light that shines in the darkness and his name is Jesus. And he is bringing his resurrection power into the middle of us and in the middle of this city. Do you believe that this morning? I believe that. And I for one am thankful to have a, a family of believers here that can walk and work through this process with us. Amen, church? Amen, church? Come on. I, I, I've done things alone before. And, and I, I, I'm so thankful for this family. I'm so thankful for you guys. We're thankful for your prayer. We're going to ask you to continue to pray, um, you know, for what's going on. Yes, in our city, but also just there's a, there's a lot happening. And, and Heidi and I would personally appreciate your prayers um, this week. Um, God is, is moving and he is doing some incredible things. And I'm thankful to be a part of what he's, what he's doing right now in these end times with you guys. So thank you so much. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to what God has put on our hearts. If you need someone to pray with you or for you, join Heidi and I Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time on Facebook. And just know we're grateful to the Lord that He's given us this time with you. God bless.